Welcome to the Muddy Waters of Freedom with your hosts, Matt Wright and Mohammed Shaker. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Mohammed throwing up the thumbs up shaker, I am Matt Wright. <laughs> And together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I ate more food than a human should be allowed to consume in one sitting. But I still didn't consume the most sitting at my table, which was truly, truly amazing. So <laughs> big props to our new friend TJ for possibly dying later. <laughs> Seriously, we ate so much food. It was unbelievable. Yeah. We, I think I posted it to my Facebook. The, we got these smothered pork chops with uh, macaroni and cheese, collard greens, cabbage, and cornbread. And we, well, TJ ate all of it. It was insane. I couldn't believe it. It's and, badass. Yeah, it was so good. That's how, the, that's how the army does it, man. They do things right. <laughs> Excuse me. That was part of the cabbage. I was going to say, is that you or me? <laughs> Holy me. moly. Yeah. We apologize to all our listeners. <laughs> wow, that came out of nowhere. Anyway, um, we have a guest on today's show. Would you care to introduce today's guest? Yeah, I'm just going to say his name and let him introduce himself. That sounds good. Well, I'm going to say a little bit more. Oh, uh, so you lied. I've got a good friend of mine, uh, James Riley, coming on. James Riley did a few years in the United States Navy uh, working in the ops whatever that means, um, and uh, met him at the uh, Mises University last year in uh, Auburn, Alabama during the one-week Mises University event. It was pretty fun. He's the guy that introduced me to Scott Horton, and um, he got me into historical European martial arts, which he can tell us a little bit about that, too, if he wants to. Uh, so, James, please introduce yourself to our fans. Hey, uh, guys, it's good to be here with you. It's great to have you good on. To have we you definitely on, appreciate you taking the time to come out. Yeah. So, uh, Mohammed, uh, Mohammed and I met at Mises U. Um, we kind of connected pretty quickly because we were both military, um, both former mm. military at the time. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, I, actually, I, I got to ask, you were flirting with uh, the looking back to the military. Is that right, Mohammed? Are you over that, or are you still kind of keeping that in your back pocket? What's going on with that? Oh, it's in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> in, a different, in a different pair of pants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people, yeah. I mean, maybe you, re I think you remember the thing that happened with me, and I talked about it on the show uh, three months ago. Uh, when I was Baker acted. Um, so I don't know how that's going to affect me trying to go back in. I never talked to any recruiters since then. Some of my military friends say that it would hinder it, and some say would it would not at all. So I just put it in my back pocket, and I was like, not worth looking at it right now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I spent, uh, I spent a long time in the military, um, and really just can't even imagine thinking about going back in but mm. then again i i spent like 10 years active oh that's right jeez yeah that's insane it was really rough man it was pretty like so especially my first tour 
Um, I did five years on a ship. Four of those five years, I was actually out at sea. So if you can wow. imagine that. Yeah. Live on the boat, waking up to ocean. Yeah. Sounds pretty. Oh. Sounds yeah. nice. You got waterfront. <laughs> it's waterfront property everywhere you go. Yeah. <laughs> also, James happens to be one of the very few people that has ever seen me drunk. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I hear that uh, is quite would, the spectacle anytime that he gets drunk. Well, here's what I can tell you is that uh, I was also inebriated. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that actually makes sense. <laughs> I don't wow. have much recollection of, uh, of how it looked, but yeah, well, how was a good, yeah. Um, that was actually, I think we met at the bar, didn't we? No, no, what, <laughs> yeah, no, we, no, uh, no, no, we met a karaoke with um bob murphy well that yeah that was the bar yeah okay so i guess it does count as a bar i consider that just karaoke i was like what place is doing karaoke that doesn't have alcohol well i consider the alcohol (laughs) and the bar part of karaoke so i just say karaoke (laughs) because then we left and went to another bar (laughs) yeah went to another bar yeah we went to a few bars that night Mises you it's a part it's a it's a party It's it's one big party well yeah and downtown was busy that day because yeah, we, like everybody was out, which is pretty fun. Yeah, lots of Alabama girls everywhere. Well, you know, Alabama girls are like the third best looking girls in the country. Yep, that's after Tennessee and Texas, probably. Yep, that's it. <laughs> those are those. That is the order. And you're from Virginia, Where? right? I am from. Oh, him? I think he is too. Oh, no, 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 no I'm not. I'm uh, from. I'm from New York City. Oh, my bad. Oh, you're in New Why York City right now. You're in New York City right now? No, no, no. I live in Wisconsin. Okay. I don't know why Virginia came. I don't know. I never. Wow. I must be confusing you for somebody else. Did we have the wrong guest on? Do we have the wrong guest on? (laughs) I didn't book this one. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. But no, it's good having you on, man. We can go right into it. Yeah, I guess we can go right into it. Yeah. Because we made that one real awkward. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's all you, man. That's, That's all you. All right, so we went over uh, some of our favorite topics that we're going to be talking about today, and uh, let's talk about the the ones that you really wanted to talk about in whatever order you would like to, because there's the JFK uh, files, and then there's um, Walter Jones's bill. So whichever, yeah. one, which one would you prefer to start out with? Because I'm book smart on both. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I think uh, I think the more important one, not uh, so I really I'm kind of a JFK nut. Um, oh God! That's basically what I do all day, some days. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that's not as pressing as the the Jones the Jones bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we should probably bring that up and let anyone who's listening know that their uh, their activism is required. Get on the phone with your congressman. Um, House House uh, concurrent resolution. 81 is what Walter Jones is sponsoring with a mm-hmm. few Democrats. Actually, he's got 30 co-sponsors, including uh, uh, Thomas Massey. Namash. Who's consistent on, on this stuff. Yeah. Nice. And the war in Yemen. So some people might may or may not know that we've been engaging in a war with Yemen for the last, uh, what, since 2015. So Yeah. Going on two years. Yeah. Um where I guess uh, Saudi Arabia decided that 
Well, no, it started with the Houthis, didn't it? Yes. So the Houthis took control of Sana'a. Uh, and de facto became the de facto government for the for the country. That was a military coup, right? Is that are we th- are we talking about the same thing? There was a very popular yeah. general that. Uh no, well, so kind of. Yeah. Um So he, so the, he was deposed. The popular general that you're talking about was deposed. Mm-hmm. I mean, his name isn't coming um, coming to me right now, but he was deposed, and then this is when Hillary Clinton and her State Department. Uh, uh, <laughs> Had the had the election of the new government. It was Hadi's new government. Uh-huh. He was the only one on the ballot, <laughs> so they had a they had a popular election with one name on the ballot that uh, was put on there by Hillary Clinton. That that, and, that uh, seems fair. Yeah. So uh, the the former the former leader of the country, who was a military uh, general, uh, basically teamed up with a group of revolutionaries to the north that. Uh, there are different. Uh, uh, there are Shia. They're similar. They're more similar to the Sunnis than, than they are to like the Shia in Iran. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they together they took over the government, and now we've got uh, and now we've got Saudi Arabia basically bombing them ever since. Um, and then the U.S. is part in that. Yeah. That we've been refueling, refueling their planes and um, lending logistical assistance and even. T- Picking targets and everything. So yeah, back in '65, uh, actually, Egypt got involved in Yemen as well, and that didn't go pretty well for Egypt either. But that was a that was a different time for a different reason. It was the Cold War and Pan Arab, you know, socialism thing was going on. But yeah, Yemen is, you know, it seems to have always been dealing with stuff like this, and uh, Saudi Arabia will do. It seems like Saudi Arabia will do whatever it can to keep itself the most powerful player in that part of, you know, the Arabian Peninsula anyways. Anything that's not going well around them that they find uh, that's going to be to the best of their interests, which which is normal for any country's government, in my opinion. Any government will try to do what's in their best self-interests as a government and for whatever they think may be for their country. Um they're going to go ahead and do because uh, Saudi Arabia also got involved in, um, uh, is it Bahrain? Uh, I think it's Bahrain. Uh, Qatar. The, huh? Qatar. No, not Qatar. Well, they're Bahrain. Constantly, they're constantly getting involved with Bahrain. Yeah, because uh, Bahrain is predominantly Shiite majority citizens, but the ruling elites, I guess, and the families and the royalties are all Sunni, which is <laughs> a really weird <laughs> uh, thing to have. Um, and yeah, they don't, they, because of the problems with them and Iran, and that brings in Islamic issues of uh, Sunni versus Shiites. They want to make sure that the Sunnis uh, stay on top of that in Bahrain. It's really silly. Well, but, I mean, it's silly. Uh-huh. To talk about it's probably not silly for like oppressed peoples and of course no 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 it's it's yeah, silly yeah, from their right. end yeah 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 um, so what is this bill part. aiming to do well so um so they're invoking the war powers um which a lot of people get the war powers wrong um a lot of people think that the war the war powers act is meant to basically meant to facilitate United States involvement in conflicts overseas when it's actually the exact opposite. The, the, 
the War Powers Act is meant to like to inhibit the president from just going out and bombing whoever he wants to bomb. He only has a limited amount of uh, amount of time that he can engage in this conflict. Yeah. Um, basically, the idea is he he can start acting, and then the goal is to get Congress into session so that they can vote on whether or not like yes. immediately. Um, of course, that's not the way that we use the War Powers Act today. Um, we 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 just we just use it as a blank check to go do whatever we want around the world. So mm-hmm. Jones' yes. bill is 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 designed to um, invoke the War Powers Act and stop the unconstitutional war, uh, aiding uh, the Saudi Arabian war against. Yeah, no, would that be? Um, see, I don't I don't remember the word I'm looking for. Uh, it's it, it's a judicial word that is uh, when a court decides on something, that is how every other court usually starts deciding things by. Do you know what I'm talking about? Precedent? Is that what it is? Legal yes. precedent? Yeah, precedent? Yeah, so if uh, if this uh, legislation goes in, if he invokes the war power, do you think would that affect all the other wars that are going on right now? So would that in turn then affect Afghanistan? Uh, no. So the justification for the war in Afghanistan is... Uh, is based on a, a prior authorization, so mm-hmm. like a legitimate authorization. Mm-hmm. There's no, to my knowledge, there's no authorization that Congress signed for our involvement in the Yemeni war. Okay. Um, oh, Ron Paul so, did not. Ron, didn't Ron Paul vote for Afghanistan, the Afghan war? He did. And he okay. It was actually the authorization, um, authorization the use of military force, uh, and it was it was supposedly to target the. Um, al-qaeda and uh, people who aided in a bet al-qaeda but they took that to mean government and everyone yes military males <laughs> hmm. uh in afghanistan so yeah um so yeah it would i think it would be i think it would probably be beneficial um in, in the longer term like aside from just stopping the u.s involvement in yemen which would be enough for me um, but I think in the long run, people could look at it and say, "No, this is the way that the government is supposed to function." Mm, no, nah, makes sense. What about what about uh, North Korea? Oh well, I mean, who knows? There's nothing uh, aside from sanctions. We, we haven't. Um, the government hasn't given free reign to the executive branch to use military force against North Korea. Hopefully, they never do. But I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Right. How, how did how did your Hmm. Has your military service in any way affected how you think about these issues, specifically like war? Oh man! So, uh, <clears throat> so when I joined the military, I had already been uh, very, very firmly anti-U.S. Um, involvement in foreign conflicts, uh, anti-war, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I was also 20 years old, and I had two kids and a pregnant wife, and um, and uh, no money, <laughs> so I ended up I joined the military for that reason. Um, so I, I, has it an impact? I think it's impacted my grasp of the the geopolitics. Um, but as far as my convictions, it, it, I don't think it has so much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When I same here. Um. By the way. Um. For our listeners, Walter Block is an economist that is a senior fellow with uh, the Mises Institute. So Walter and I, um, and you know Walter, obviously. Um, Walter and I had a pretty pretty cool conversation uh, 
you know, a year and a year ago, a uh, year and a few months ago, uh, when we were both there, about like whether it was okay to have these anarchist philosophies and still serve anyways, or to be an anarchist or, you know, anarcho-capitalist or a libertarian sort of, th- you know, um, and take government um, benefits. And um, basically what, what he was saying is it's okay because also I was a defense contractor for a bit and he basically boiled it down to it's better that a libertarian or an anarchist do some of these jobs uh, because first of all, the money they get is going to be money that they can use to further our ideologies and philosophies and our you know families and communities uh, better than like a status would be able to, um, you know, vice versa with a, let's say a conservative or liberal doing these jobs and they might take this money and put it towards more status type policies and politicians. And the other thing is uh, libertarian uh would use his philosophy to pursue his job um in the most humanitarian way that he can probably and i actually i actually agree, I, I agreed with him on that I, I needed that to clear i needed to clear my mind on that and that's actually why to answer your question why i was thinking about also going back in because i was like okay well if i go back in i'd be taking the job pretty damn seriously and i wouldn't be trying to go in to murder anybody like, yeah, I'd be doing my job, but I'd be trying to murder a lot less people, maybe. Right. I um, can see that. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Well, it's also Walter Block that said it, so right. he's like king of the <laughs> end caps right now. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a, a pretty interesting conversation with him. Um, but let's let's uh, let's move on to JFK, because this is going to be pretty interesting, because I don't know anything about I personally don't care much about the whole JFK thing. Um the only thing I care about on the JFK thing is that, one, I don't think that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I don't. I think the CIA covered something up, and the fact that the government did that, that's what I care about. Mm. Which is why... What, so, I was going to well, say... I that, think it probably... Sorry, It would probably ahead. be worth mentioning why, why this is even a topic right now, right? Okay. So. Well, the... Uh, it was 55 years ago? I can't do math in my head right now. 45 years ago? 55 uh, years ago, 55 years ago. I'm, uh, yeah. Cause I know how old I am. Um, <laughs> 55 years. <laughs> I can do that math. Uh, 55 years ago, uh, roughly was when JFK was assassinated and, uh, the, they kept extending, they kept, uh, it was supposed to be all of the files on it were supposed to be de- declassified, but they kept extending it and Trump did not extend the de- the classification on it. Uh, And they were all supposed to be dropped on the 26th. Today's the 28th. Yeah. On the 26th. Hmm. Um, So uh, they released 2,800 or 6,400 of the documents. And I know the rest are supposed to be released in the next six months. I think it's 2,800. That's the number I remember. Yeah. uh, So the, um, well, so it's funny. There's been a lot of, lying and misleading with regards to what actually happened um, in terms of the drop. So the the final day was the 26th, I think, and they up until that, I mean, so Trump even tweeted the day prior and during the day of the 26th, like, yeah, I'm going to release all these documents. It's going to be really interesting to see 
Uh, and every and I think most people in the research community were skeptical that it was going to happen. But as as the uh, talk the clock kept ticking, um, people were g- kind of g- maybe getting excited even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is actually going to happen. Right. Um, of course it didn't. It didn't happen. Um, the important files were never released. Uh, the twenty eight hundred pages or twenty eight hundred documents. Rather, that's a, there's, that's different than pages. Yes. Some documents, multiple pages. Multiple pages, um, right? But the the twenty eight hundred documents that were released had already been released. Most of most of them had already been released, but fully redacted. Um, so they, or not fully redacted, but um, partially redacted. So they released those pages without the redactions, and they only released fifty two pages that they hadn't released before. Oh. At, in any in any. Yeah. So, and then of course, uh, we're looking. I said fifty-two pages, fifty-two documents. I got it. Um, but still, so, f- fifty-two out of twenty-eight hundred isn't. Though, I, I would not be. Right. Good, I, I would not be happy on that return if I had been waiting. <laughs> yeah. You know, twenty years for new documents to come out, and I'm like, yes, well, okay, we're going to get twenty-eight hundred. Reddit, Reddit, well, and the Reddit. Is, they're the important documents, right? So. Um, everything that's been released up until now, we're talking millions and millions and millions of pages uh, have been released over the course of the last 20 years. Um, and and we're like waiting on this last batch of documents and they are the important ones. So anyone who knows um, about the case, who's like really into it, knows that names that constantly come up, David Atlee Phillips, um, Bill, William Harvey, uh, J- uh, George Jonitas, um who else? E. Howard Hunt. Like all these names that have been coming up from the very beginning uh, and with regards to possible connections to Oswald or possible um, connections to the assassination. And these are the documents that are being withheld and virtually none of those documents were released. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's it's another side of hand. I guess he bought, he's, he bought himself six months, but uh, I'm I remain skeptical. I mean, after 55 years, if there's still, and then, oh, and then they did it on the grounds of national security, uh, which is, <laughs> it's just like, all right, buddy. Come on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Like what national security can that have at this point? Yeah. That makes, well, that people said the same thing about the, um, I forget her name. Transgendered soldier, female. Oh, Chelsea Manning. Yeah, people. I had I'd seen people complain about the same thing. Like, oh well, the files and the videos that Chelsea put out um, were detri- a detriment to our national security. And I was like, okay, so you're telling me that he, him putting out videos that the people there saw in person was somehow going to make it any more dangerous. Because that doesn't make any sense. N- n- I mean, now Americans know what happened in some of these places and some of right. these acts. But, you know, the Iraqi people, no, they, they saw that. They don't need any videos or they don't need anything to be released to know what happened, to be mad about us being there to go out and bomb American soldiers, uh, you know, driving a convoy on the, on, on the road. They, they were going to do that anyways because they've seen it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the whole national security thing is just a... Uh, blanket term for anything that's like hey we might be 
it's a silly term to just say, hey, we might be bombed if we talk about this or release it or whatever. Or, or we're going to be viewed as, you know, we did something wrong. Mm-hmm. So we don't want people to think that. So we're, we're just going to say it's well, a matter right, of yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what the national security concern is. They're going to release these documents and the rest of the country seems like, what the fuck? Why did a government kill, kill <laughs> the president? And then, you know, it could be violent overthrow. That's the national security they're talking about. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's the status security that they're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Bingo. Yeah. For, for so my, I'm, for my I'm backwards really plug, it's the statheist mm-hmm. security that they're yep. worried about. Yep. Yeah. Stathy, that's a new, uh, yes. New single yeah. drop by backwards, uh, backwards. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Great video. Yeah. Great video. I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and, and, and watch the video yet. It's, oh, the video is really, really good. Really, really good. The video is really good. Eric and Alex and them did a great job on that video. It, but, yeah. Yeah. The, the guy curling up at the end with the FDR picture. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> that was so good. But yes. What were uh, you about to say? Before we got on to yeah. backwards there for a quick second. Um, oh, no. Well, uh, so I'm just uh, – so the J, the whole JFK thing, man, um, it, what, I, what I do appreciate is that it's got uh, people talking about it right now. You know, the, this, this document drop uh, was um, – we did learn a few bits and pieces of information, stuff that we kind of already knew. Uh, people in the research community already knew it, but uh, now the mainstream media's kind of look, you know, spent a 24-hour news cycle <laughs> looking at it um, and making it make it part of the national conversation, even even if for a moment. But uh, there's definitely there's definitely some information there, or rather, there's there's some information that's already come out that really like makes it an open open and shut case, like. Um, with, with regards to the CIA's involvement, at least involvement. Like we don't, and when I say CIA, I don't mean as an organization. Um, and I, and I don't even necessarily mean participated mm-hmm. in the assassination, uh, even though I probably believe that. But as far as the information that we already have, we know that the CIA was involved. We know that they knew who Oswald, uh, who mm-hmm. Oswald was. We know that they were tracking him for months and for years, actually. Um, we know that they were paying very close attention to him in the months leading up to the assassination. Uh, and then there's a, there's a, I think probably my favorite, my favorite story of the whole, of the whole assassination is this, uh, the story of, uh, Dan Hardaway and Eddie Lopez. Do have you guys, do you know anything about these guys? The names sound familiar to me. So, all right. So sorry, that was Dan Harmon, Dan Hardaway, Hardaway, Dan Hardaway. I was like, Dan Harmon. Dan yeah. Har- he made a uh, Rick and Morty. Oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know, I know him. <laughs> so, um, so Dan Hardaway and Eddie Lopez were some college, like grad students or something, and they uh, were br- so in the in the end of the seventies, um, you had the church committee, and then that led up to the um, the House Select Committee on Assassinations. Because let's face it, everyone in the government at the time knew that there was a bunch of cover ups going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they put together this committee that was supposed to really find, figure out the truth about what happened during the assassination. So, uh, one of the lead prosecutors, um, who, who was brought in about halfway through, uh, his name was, or rather, I think the lead prosecutor of the whole thing, um, Blakey, uh, I can't remember his first name, but 
um, he brought in his some of his grad students uh, to help do the research. And these grad students were given like almost a year long access to all of the CIA's documents. And for the first part of that, they were getting whatever they wanted. And they would just go in. They were like, hey, we want to take a look at this. We want to take a look at that. So they're compiling all these documents and they're coming up with this report. And then and then all of a sudden they get this new guy brought in. Right. His name is George Joannidis. And he's he was recruited to be the liaison for these two grad students. Right. To the CIA's liaison. They kicked him out of the CIA's office in Langley. They put them in a, they, they basically shut down their entire operation, made it so that it was weeks before they got any, any of the files that they wanted, um, and, and just basically made it impossible for them to do their job. Mm. And all of this was like after this guy, George Joannidis, um, came in as the liaison to facilitate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason they took this guy out of retirement and brought him back was because he was in the CIA during the Kennedy years and, um, and so he was supposedly knowledgeable. Uh, well, really, what what looks like what happened was people at the CIA realized that Dan Hardaway and Eddie Lopez were getting close, and they brought this guy George Joannidis back in to stonewall them, right? Mm-hmm. Because he knew what they were what they were going to find, right? So twenty years goes by, and there's a guy named Jefferson Morley who starts looking at the new files that were released after the uh, Assassination Records Review Board. That uh, was in the 90s. Basically, he's looking at these files, and he realizes that George Joannidis was involved with the, uh, some of the people that were involved with Oswald. And he he basically tracks down Eddie Lopez and, and Dan Hardaway, and he's like, hey, did you guys know that your liaison was basically one of the prime suspects or at least would have been a prime suspect if you had known what his involvement was. And they were like, no, we asked him if he had any involvement. And they said no. Right? Hmm. So the new documents. The, 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 stringent, the stringent interview. Did you have any involvement with this? Hmm. No. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Come on. Hmm. <laughs> well, so, and so there's new documents that, re- that were released, right? That the CIA actually brought him back on the payroll to conduct operations against people on U.S. soil, right? So he was he was performing the function. Which they're not supposed to do that. Not only are they not supposed to conduct operations on U.S. soil, but he was conducting operations against the people who were given the task of investigating the CIA. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's just unbelievable, man. And yeah. so all of his files still haven't, um, still haven't been released. Uh, you know, I could go, I could, I could talk about this forever, but bottom line is, uh, it, it's, it's a mess and, uh, you know, it's just the government covering it up. So why, so, why? why, I'm not why? trying to put you on the spot, but I am super not a conspiracy theorist person any longer. I used to be, um, not that being a conspiracy theorist or somebody that gets involved in that isn't necessarily a bad thing because uh, you're not on the level that really pisses me off. You know, people talking about chemtrails and uh, weather control 
the moon landing yeah mistake. yeah and trump's trump is sending hurricanes into minority areas like not that sort of conspiracy theories uh but what, what was the end goal of this whole thing i mean why well, could why couldn't it have just been some crazy guy with another crazy guy or some commies you know right i mean so to be honest um probably the best work that's been done on the whole the whole jfk case in the last 20 years has been done by researchers into not um, the assassination itself, but into the foreign policy JFK mm-hmm. prior to that. Right. So um, JFK, the, the story goes that JFK was a cold warrior and that he was actively involved in, in the assassination plots against, you know, uh, uh, the um, Castro and, and yes. basically all the covert operations and that he was very supportive of the war in Vietnam, and that Lyndon Johnson, after he took over office, only did what Kennedy was already going to do, mm. which was continue supporting the troops in Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it turns out that um, none of that is true. JFK was absolutely going to get us out of Vietnam. And this is, I mean, this is on the record. None of this is even debatable anymore. He said he was? He was going to get us out of Vietnam. He did, was, didn't he, he put, put us there? Out. No, man, we were in Vietnam since the fifties. Well, really since the, I mean, if you want to, if you want to, I mean, since the forties. Yes, we were, but not on the level that it was at sixty-five. No, but it was sixty-three was when um, JFK. We so we only had advisors in there in sixty-three when JFK was assassinated. Yeah, uh, and he had signed a. He had already signed a, a plan to. He already approved a plan. Mm. To withdraw all of the troops that we had there by '65, uh-huh. and that was, and that was in 20, uh, 1960. I believe it was, I believe it was the end of 1963, like a couple of months before he got assassinated. Okay, but that's um, that's just one one country that he was planning to get us out of. He still got involved in other stuff. Oh no, man! I mean, so he was he was good on. Uh, he was he put the kibosh on all of the operations that we were conducting against Castro. Mm-hmm. He he started uh, opening lines of communication with Khrushchev. Really, yes. a lot of people think that a lot of people think that it was the um, it was the Cuban Missile Crisis that really changed his his mind on on the way that you, the U.S. interacted you know, in terms of foreign policy uh, because he was so close. The true, you know the, the Khrushchev and and Kennedy basically like put the all stop on nuclear holocaust right and so a lot of people um believed that you know especially people in the research community who have been delving into this stuff um have taken taken the stand that stance that uh kennedy was turned around so after it was after that moment that he really started changing the way that we do foreign policy but the truth i mean so well i mean i wouldn't say the truth but like i've been persuaded to my satisfaction that kennedy was actually pretty good on this stuff all the way into like from the 50s mm-hmm. so uh, he was he was taking stands against like on the senate floor when he was a senator he was taking st- stands against the uh, um, involvement in foreign countries in a variety of ways he was a huge fan of sovereignty uh in you know national sovereignty and he he really just didn't like the way at least if you look at his speeches now um when he when he took office he was a lot of that stuff was thrown in his lap. So, for instance, the uh, the uh, what's it what's it the uh, what the pay what's that what um, the what the plan that 
the the plan that they had. Now I can't even think the the plan that they had to invade Cuba. Bay of Pigs. Uh, Bay of Pigs. There we go. Yeah. Um. So it, that wasn't actually to invade Cuba. That was to like um to hook up the Cuban revolutionaries to try and get them in a situation where they could overthrow the Castro government. But mm-hmm. um, the CIA, their plan the whole time was to basically leave those guys hanging to the point where Kennedy needed to send in the American military. Um, and Kennedy was like, no, it's not happening. And he immediately fired everybody after that. Right. So right. it's like that was all started. That was all initiated by Eisenhower and the Dulles regime mm-hmm. of the CIA. And Kennedy was kind of saddled with this stuff. He, I think about him similar to the way I think about Obama. You know, I think Obama is probably genuine. Uh, I agree. When you know when he started, like that, he wanted to get us out of the wars. But you just can't say no to the national security state. There's too many people that have too much money tied up in all this stuff, and it's just I don't know. No, I agree with so, that. So you. <laughs> You've said that you've like taken a lot of time to uh, look over all the JFK stuff, and like that's one of your passions. What is your theory? Um. So, I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's I, here's what I know. Right, I know that the CIA knew who Oswald was. I know that he, um. When during the Mexico City incident a month before the assassination or two months before the assassination, that the CIA had with the operational uh, chief in Mexico City who had tabs on him. Um, I know that he was impersonated. Um, I know that one of the agents that worked directly under James Jesus Angleton told Jefferson Morley and um, and John Newman. And in the 1990s, that the CIA had an operational interest in Oswald. So what does that mean? That means that a CIA agent is on the record saying that the evidence is clear. The CIA was treating Oswald like an asset. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he could be a, a winning asset or an unwitting asset. Yes. There's no evidence yeah. for either. Um, what? Uh, a lot of the researchers are saying now is that he was likely a winning asset and, and they had um, provided evidence to support that. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, I believe that the people that were running Oswald or people who knew that the CIA was running Oswald would have been in a position to uh, to exploit that. Um, and I think that there were Kennedy had a lot of enemies among those who would have known about Oswald. For instance, William Harvey, David Morales, David Atlee Phillips, um, and you know, for instance, William Harvey ran the ZR rifle program, the, the CIA assassination program. The what program? Uh, ZR rifle. Um, Z like Zulu Romeo. Yeah, Zulu Romeo rifle. Okay. Um, that's, that was a CIA's assassination program. Uh, the, you know, they, they ran assassinations against, uh, or plots against, uh, Castro, Lumumba, Trujillo, um, like, you know, uh, go on, <laughs> I can go on and on. Yeah. But anyway, those, those were the people 
for instance, William Harvey got fired by Kennedy, uh, sent to Italy to live out the re- remainder of his tenure um, after the Bay of Pigs. All these guys are really mad about it. A lot of these guys are on the record, or at least not on the record, but um, have been quoted by mm-hmm. people who would be in a position to know, yeah. saying that they saying things like, you know, but we got his ass or, you know, yeah, stuff like that. So um, I think I think it was probably some combination of uh, David Atlee Phillips, um, William Harvey, David Morales. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Salon, uh, former, the founder of Salon, uh, mm-hmm. wrote a book called brothers. And then he wrote a, a book called the devil's Chessboard, And he, he puts, puts a finger to Alan Dulles, who was also fired by JFK after the Bay of pigs. I'm not necessarily convinced of that. He was definitely a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't put it past him, but you know, a lot of the like, so for instance, the cover up, a lot of these things happen, and people kind of know it happened. They know what happened. They're not directly involved, but and they kind of, they just kind of, it's just kind of business as usual to take take part in the cover up. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I I don't think there was a massive CIA conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I think there was a few people who would who would have been in a position to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those people like William Harvey. Uh, who who were running the anti-Castro Cubans, who Oswald tangled with in like July of that year, um, or something. Um, he was running the DRE, right, which is the student, the anti anti-Castro student group. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that came to light in the Garrison investigation in the '60s. Like that was what the movie JFK was JFK, based on. Yeah, but, Oliver Stone. Back and to yeah, the left. Well, Back and to the left. <laughs> I've seen so, it. <laughs> so, I mean, it, the finger keeps on being pointed to those guys. I think people who say that Johnson did it are kooks. Um, <laughs> I think. I've got like nine friends that probably just stopped watching us after that one. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I hate. So you said conspiracy. I hate conspiracy theories. Yeah. Man. Right. Hate them, man. Yeah. Especially the truthers, man. The 9 11 truthers. I used, oh, I, yeah, well, God. I used to be a huge truther back in the day. Um, and then when I became a lot more, uh, entrenched in libertarian ideas and started reading a lot more into the philosophy itself. And then when I started realizing that the government can't do things as well as the market in a lot of ways, like they can't, you know, you know, the whole, like they can't build a marketplace website without it crashing and all that. You know, if they're not able to do that, I don't know how they'd be able to do something like 9-11 such, and keep such a, quiet, you know? What I always, like, because people still to this day talk about how Bush did 9-11. And I'm like, okay, the guy that you make fun of for not being able to put on a poncho at the presidential <laughs> inauguration was able to put together the greatest secret in American history and have everybody keep it? Not the same guy. And it's not giving credit to like, you know, like there, there's a, I'm not going to say everyone. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm also not the kind of libertarian that thinks the government is naturally an evil thing. Like, yeah, I hate the government, but I don't think the government is the epitome of evil and everybody in the government is evil. I don't believe that. That's absolute bullshit. 
Um, but there are bad guys, you know, in the government. Um, but like we said before, but like, I don't think every single one of them. No. But is well, it, how did they find out who was going to be the the bad unpatriotic Americans that were going to be okay with killing this this many Americans? I don't fucking believe it. No. You know, like most Americans, whether you're born here or not, like love this country and love the people. So, like, I don't know how they. What find me an American that's that works for the government and loves this country that's going to be. Well, the, on the number that would take nine eleven to take place, they'll be willing to watch this thing happen, and not not raise a finger against it, and say this is going to end up saving more lives than we're going to kill exactly in one day. Yeah. Well, so for me, a conspiracy theory. All right. So here's what a conspiracy theorist is. Right. A conspiracy theorist is someone who looks at circumstantial evidence, and then designs a theory in his head mm-hmm. about how this evidence supports probably a pre held conclusion yes which in the case of bush bush didn't know that so they so mm-hmm. then they then they look for a bunch of they cherry pick a bunch of evidence to support that uh and then they come up with these elaborate ways to to fit all the evidence together you know yeah so for me what i do right is i look at the evidence that i see right so for instance you ask me like what's my theory i can tell here's what i can tell you like here are the facts that i can tell you mm-hmm. you know um the thing with the thing with 9-11 is there's a lot of stuff that needs to be talked about. There is a lot of things that went that went really, really bad. So, for instance, the NSA's uh, surveillance, the CIA's surveillance, the FBI. The FBI are probably the most culpable out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but it was a bunch of people dropping the ball. You know, I mean, it, you know, there was a there was a, a double agent. Um, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, but there was a double agent working for the FBI. He was giving lectures to uh to military personnel in virginia at the same time as he was going he you know he would do that on thursday and then go up to new york for the weekend and plan plan a bunch of terror attacks you mm-hmm. know uh, as as an, as an informant for the fbi and he was stringing them around like like a like he was like they were a dog on a leash mm-hmm. right know? so <clears throat> so they don't want to let any of this stuff get out and there's a lot of stuff like that now um the whole 28 pages thing, uh, there was some damning evidence in there, mm-hmm. right? So there was uh, Bandar Bush. He was basically sending checks to the handler of two of the hijackers. Now, Bandar Bush, I don't know if you know who Bandar Bush is, but he's the guy that was on the, on the, pat, on the deck of the White House smoking cigars with Bush. Mm-hmm. Right? So Bandar Bush, he's called Bandar Bush because he was close friends with the Bush family. Um, that was three days after the attacks is this guy american right? or something no 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 he's he's a saudi royal family um well i mean that could be circumstantial as well because i mean totally. we're supporting saudis because we hate iran you know right totally absolutely absolutely i don't think that i don't think that george bush did it mm-hmm. but <laughs> but there's but there's a, like a lot of stuff yeah that, that needs to be talked about but the yeah. problem with the truthers is they come up with all this shit about holograms and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, like, and 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 thermo whatever that stuff is that supposedly brought the towers down and how. And the thing is, like, there's a lot of things that I wish we could know about 9/11 that we'll never know because no one takes a conversation seriously because of these goddamn assholes who. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't know, man. Yeah. Honestly, man, like truthers, and I used to be one. Truthers annoy the crap out of me. 
It, it, I was living so I was living up in like northern Virginia when that when nine eleven happened, and I'm not going to date myself that much, but um, like I knew people whose dads worked at the Pentagon, and I right. had a friend who was in D.C. that day. He was driving a cab, like he picked somebody up and he drove him up to D.C. and he turned around and was coming back, and uh, he saw the plane. He saw it hit. And he was like, he, I saw him later that night and he called me and he was just like, and he was just like, I, let's get together. And I got together with him. He was like, I was, I was on the bridge. I saw it coming down. It was yeah, like, I was like, and people were like, oh, it wasn't really a plane. I was like, it, sorry, mom, if you're actually watching, it was a motherfucking plane, people. Oh, (laughs) right. Right. Well, the thing is like, there's been real hardcore investigative journalism that have uncovered the whole story about who Al-Qaeda was, who the bad guys were, what their motivations were, mm-hmm. where they were in the 90s, all the way up through the 2000s. Uh, all of Osama bin Laden's terror plots from the first World Trade Center bombing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was basically so Ramzi Youssef, the guy who did the world, the first World Trade Center bombing, his yeah. uncle was one of the lead, you know, uh, planners of the 9-11 bombing. Oh, they did all it. The Jenka plot, the Kobar Towers, mm-hmm. you know, so like, you're going to tell me that all these hardcore investigative journalists who've been doing this work, looking at evidence and documents over the course of the last, you know, 20 years or whatever, that they're, that all of this is just some cons- elaborate conspiracy that fucking George Bush is smart enough to plant documents from 20 years ago mm-hmm. about Muhammad Atta being pissed about the, the shit that went down in Lambda. Like, come on, man. Just read <laughs> a book. Read a book. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> no man uh, <laughs> it does it, it does give me just it, well, yeah so. it, i've worked with you know i worked in the service industry for a really long time and a lot of people in the service industry they just go through phases of different things and i worked at a restaurant in nashville for a while and there was a group of them that all became truthers 10 years after the fact and they're all you need to watch this video on youtube and i was like no <laughs> Yeah, right. No. Right. And well, you know, so I I know you yeah. were like 11 when that happened, but I wasn't and trust me, that video is wrong. Right. A 5-minute YouTube clip is not going to provide you with enough answers yeah. for you to have a sophisticated opinion on any topic. No. Well, and sometimes it goes beyond the whole circumstantial evidence thing cuz I'm not a fan of we went to war with Iraq so we can have their oil. I am not a fan of that argument. Because I've been there and I never protected any oil fields. I don't know a single soldier that's protected any oil fields. And I don't remember any equipment there to pull out oil from oil fields. And that's a, that's a huge, like, people don't realize the scale it takes to run, uh, oil extraction and transportation. And yeah, I'm just like, it's, I am not a fan of that theory at all either. Cause I'm like, then why the fuck is it so expensive? You know, it's, it's, so it, I, this stuff is beyond what the government's able to do. Gas goes up, gas goes down, other than taxation and foreign, well, foreign policy is the cause of governments talking about stuff. But other than that, like, no, I, we did not go to war for oil either, in my opinion. Well, it's not just your, I mean, I, so there's evidence again, like there's people who talked about it and there's reasons that they gave. If you read Bob Woodward or if, you know, if you read, um, uh, who who was really good on the Iraq War? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, uh, 
Karen, Karen Kostrowski, I think, mm-hmm. who was there at the Pentagon at the time. Yeah. You know, um, who's, who's like recently become an anarcho capitalist. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, there's, there's these, these people like were there and they'll tell you why and they'll tell you what our motivations were. Yeah. And they're, and they suck. They're, they're all like really bad motivations. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You should have gone to war because of them. But it's not because of oil, and it's not because of the petrodollar. Petrodollar is another pet conspiracy <laughs> yes. of mine that I love to debunk. I actually wrote a long-form article for the Ron Paul Institute of Peace and Prosperity mm-hmm. to just like like 50 years of economic history of why your fucking stupid petrodollar conspiracy is bullshit. Yes, yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I hear it often. Like, look, I don't trust. I don't trust anybody, so I don't trust banks as much as I don't trust anybody that I don't know. But like this whole, ah, oh, the Rockefellers and the, every other banking name that I can't remember because I'm not into this stuff anymore. <laughs> you know, like they're the ones doing all this because Libya, Syria, and Yemen are the last, and North Korea are the last three countries and four countries in the world that don't have a central. What? Like, yeah. no, dude, I'm so sorry. No, like I don't, I don't believe it. Roth, I want proof. The Rothschilds. And- yeah, either proof or no, either proof or no proof. Like. Rothschilds were good at banking. Okay, boom. <laughs> so that's the thing, man. Uh, if you look at the origins of this history, um, it's 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 actually like pretty clear. So, for, and when I say the history, I don't mean the history of the Rothschilds. Yes, I mean the history of blaming the Rothschilds. You yes. know what I'm saying? So that yeah, they're Jewish, origin, right? It, yeah, they're Jewish. Okay, so that kind of like, that's a huge part of it, man. Is yeah. that it's a lot of this stuff is no shit real. Anti-Semitism. Yes. And believe me, you know, we are all libertarians. We're all like confronted with uh, with SJW nonsense on, on a regular basis. Yeah. But there are no shit like anti-Semites that came up with these philosophies. So, I believe you. Interestingly enough, the first record that we have of, uh, of the international banking conspiracy mm-hmm. was started by... National Socialists or something? Pierre Proudhon. Okay. Who was known as the first anarchist philosopher mm-hmm. um his beef the reason that he started the conspiracy was because of his beef with finance capitalism mm-hmm. right yeah so and then if you look at throughout the uh throughout the late 80 late 1800s and then the early 1900s all these guys are a bunch of freaking anti-semites and if you look at eustace mullins or any anyone who's like a known name on how the federal reserve started or whatever they're all they all did it because they were a bunch of freaking Hitler loving Nazis. Yeah. Like no sh- No, I believe it, yeah. And and uh Yeah, man. So it, it, it's like it's interesting to me, but it's really upsetting and disheartening I agree. because it takes your eye off the ball. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, there's important work that needs to be done, important discussions that need to be had. Yeah. About the Federal Reserve and about that you and about the control of banks. Like, yeah, banks are still evil. Yes. But they're not like <laughs> <laughs> people don't get that that people don't get that it's like you said circumstantial evidence so banks are doing bad things by using the government which everybody would do anyways individual or corporation uh but the, just because just because that is happening does not mean it's a conspiracy of any kind um and like you said eyes off the ball um you know all these people wanting to focus on uh building seven you know holograms like you were just saying all that stuff and i'm just like okay and i think i said this on the show before when we talked about it i'm like okay once you prove it now what 
you know like now what nothing like you got nothing so how about we just now move towards you know more liberty and freedom and limiting the government which which should have been what, you, what you've been doing from the first place rather than trying to prove something that basically we would already know if that was the case because otherwise you're going to prove it and then either the men in black helicopters are going to come and take you away or you're going to prove it and everyone's going to laugh at you and so it's pointless to focus on the bullshit conspiracy theories you know yeah i don't know if, i don't know if you, i don't know if you heard me but yeah <laughs> that's like that's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah that's pretty much it on that one we're coming to an end here so uh let's talk about us sitting down in the uh auburn university <laughs> dorm room in a circle oh man so all right so listen so Bahad, I, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast like we connected pretty quick um <laughs> just because we're you know both both military um kind of we, at that point i don't know about you but i had just done i had just done my time you know so i was basically um, it was still a part of identity. Would you get out? You know? I got out uh, j- January of 2016. Yeah. See, no, no. I was way. I was uh, March 2012. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. yeah. So, but it's still part of my yeah, identity. So, I mean, look at my hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I. Uh, but we. It was me, Hamid, and then there's two other guys. Michael. Um, uh, Michael Bone. Yeah. And uh, and Chris Colton. Chris. Chris is actually doing a. A, a monster podcast for uh, for Mises Institute right now. Nice. What's it called? Uh, uh, I didn't know about it's, this. It's, it's a history. It's a history podcast. Nice. Um, people should definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. It's, he spent the first the first like number of episodes talking about the war on drugs from a historian's perspective. Mm-hmm. Really, nice. really, really solid stuff. But so it was me, Chris, and Muhammad <laughs> and Michael. Um, and we all we all hung hung out together basically the entire time, and we became close friends. Um, I felt that we we left we left close friends. Yes. Um, but so we're all <laughs> so it's like we're getting ready to leave, and I I'm a heavy drinker. I go out and I party a lot, but uh, the rest of the guys kind of not so much. So we end up going back to the hotel, and we're all just kind of hanging around. It's two o'clock in the morning, and we're sitting in a circle in the lobby of the hotel. And we're talking about just the dumbest shit, like <laughs> shit that you would only fucking find yourself talking about uh, at two o'clock in the morning. At a <laughs> so like, so 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 it's like me and Chris are arguing about left anarchism or something, and then Mohammed is like, "What do you think the worst, like the scariest way to die is?" <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Like, that, that, like, look, you know, what's funny is look. I've never been drunk with Muhammad at 2 a.m., but that sounds like a question he would ask sober. So I could see him asking <laughs> it drunk. And so, so he's like, so he's like, and we're, we're looking at him like, what are you even talking about, man? And he's like, no, man, I just mean like, like the scariest way to die. I'm thinking a spear. And they're like, a fucking spear? <laughs> What? You know, and we start rattling off ways that you could die. Mm-hmm. Be more, you know, it'd be scary, like drowning or like yeah. being tortured Burn. to death or being in a fire or having chemicals dumped all over. And, and he's like, no, I mean, in like battle, like that would be some scary shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I insisted on the spearman the whole time. <laughs> like, that'd be some scary shit. 
And and fucking Chris just called and goes, he's like, no, you guys, listen to this, right? Have you ever heard of Add the Impaler? And we're like, uh, so, so, I mean, maybe some people knew, but I didn't. So I was like, no, who's who's that? He's like, man, this guy, he's like what they based Dracula off. Yeah. But, yeah, so what he would do, and, and, he, and Chris just starts rattling off what this motherfucker would do to you. And, and let me tell you, you want to like forget anything that we had mentioned. Like this guy would strip you naked. Yeah. He'd open. He'd let you. You know, he'd leave you hanging for for days and days and days. Uh, all, animals were involved. All kinds of shit. He would take you, and he would put like he would basically take a big fucking big post, right? Big sharp post. Yeah, big steak, and he put you on it. And he fucking put you down onto it, right? Mm. It's like anus first, right? All the way, <laughs> all the way up. And we're all just like kind of looking there, and we're and mortified. Everyone in the room is fucking mortified. <laughs> Silent, right? And then Muhammad goes, "So you're telling me there was a spear?" <laughs> <laughs> that that was when. That night you had to introduce me to Hima because I was interested in uh, the Jap. I forget what it's called. Is it Aikido? Is that the Japanese martial arts or? Uh... Oh, a couple uh, Japanese sword arts. Yes, kind of encompasses. Yeah, I was super things. interested in that, and then you told me about Hima, um, and I was always a fan of like military history and just well history in general. You know, played a lot of video games, and I'm just like, man, spears were really fucking long. That was this was my reasoning. Spears were were really long. <laughs> And you can't reach the motherfucker that's stabbing you. I've heard Muhammad's reasoning. It is not adequate. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard Muhammad's reasoning on a lot of things, and most of them are not adequate. (laughs) I just think it's scary not being able to reach the guy and fight back, and you're being stabbed in the gut with this thing. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a spear story. You know, you guys talked about this pre-show, and I was really excited. And then <laughs> I was really hoping somebody threw a spear at somebody. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, I hope spears are actually involved. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, man. Just Muhammad being Muhammad. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to get involved back again with Hima soonish. I like the place that I went to. Those guys are really nice. I learned all the cuts. I learned some guards. Speaking of Shit's Muhammad badass. being Muhammad, we actually discussed this uh, yesterday, but uh, we're planning on waterboarding him live on an episode, just so we oh, know. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I'm not going to be the only one. Just yeah, so you know. no. There's going. We're it's not we're, meant to be racist. We're both going to get waterboarded, <laughs> but it's going to be a lot funnier when he gets waterboarded. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're planning on actually waterboarding each other during an episode just so we can be like, how bad is this? I mean, it's mental shit, yeah. man. I'm a paratrooper. I can handle it. That'd probably be, that'd probably be like good for your ratings. Yeah. That's what, people, yeah. I mean, really? Cause I thought it was the other way around. <laughs> no, I think people will watch. A bunch of people are going to turn you guys off. <laughs> but a lot more are gonna turn you on. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I was just like, oh, this seems a little desperate. But <laughs> if they want to do it, they want to do it. So I'm not against it. Can't yeah. be. It can't be that bad. So we'll see. Us <laughs> actually doing it, not the. It can't be that bad. Anyways, <laughs> I talked to three people yesterday who have been waterboarded, and they've all went, "Yeah, you do that to me for two minutes, and I'll 
I'll tell you whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is it that bad? Though? Yeah, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like, oh, I got to try this. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like at first I was like, this can't be that bad. And then they started telling me about it. And I was like, okay, now I'm actually nervous about this. Like, but I've, I've committed mm-hmm. and now I've said it on the show. So we have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um. It's probably time we end this thing so he can go and do his stuff. Yes. Um, do you have anything you need to? Yes. You would like to plug or promote or tell people no, to man. read? Just, uh, just um, everyone get on get on the phone. Call your congressman. Tell him that we need to end this bullshit in Yemen. Walter um, Jones bill. The Walter Jones bill. Walter Jones bill. Uh, House concurrent resolution eighty one. Um, invoke the War Powers Act to end the unconstitutional war in Yemen. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, you know, thank you so much for having it, for coming on. Thank you so much to us for having you on. Yeah. That's what it was about to come out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. We definitely appreciated it. Uh, It was definitely informative. I was taking notes the entire time of people to look up (laughs) and research. Yeah. Um, Sorry. You get me talking, man. Dude, like, yeah, you know. We brought a guest on because neither one of us felt like talking. Um, <laughs> I'm really interested in the JFK stuff. I am. I just don't ever sit down because it's so much information, and you can only watch the Oliver Stone movie so many times. Right. Well, so let me tell you. Let me tell you uh, who to look at for JFK. All right, it's going to be um, the the best names are going to be Bill Simpich, John Newman. Um, John Newman. Who else? I got William Harvey. No, 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 no. So these are authors. I'm giving you. Authors oh, gotcha, right gotcha, gotcha. Or, or like you can check out their their what lectures about on YouTube. David Atlee Phillips. Yeah, all those. That, those are like CIA guys. Those mm-hmm. are the bad guys. Those are the guys who fucking did it. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so Bill Simpich, John Newman, are probably the two, the number one and two guys that I, I like on the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then James Eugenio is really good on foreign policy and Jim Douglas. Check those names out. Those I'm going to totally make up how to spell that last name, but I'll figure it out. And... It's safe. It's, it's recorded. Okay. Posterity. <laughs> Posterity. Posterity. <laughs> For prostates. For prostates. <laughs> <laughs> For prostates. Hey, don't forget that uh, Movember starts in three days for prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, I yep. won't be growing a mustache because this is the best I got. But for those of you who can't see his mustache, which is everybody but us, uh, it's fantastic. It's a great mustache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, they man, do. Him and Tucker have yeah, really good mustaches. Yeah. Um, did I see that you're a flautist or something? Yeah, uh, uh, we call him fluter. So I play traditional Irish music. Um, I play uh, a lot of music around here in Chicago and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we we don't call them flautists because that's kind of I don't I don't have a word to to use that won't get me in trouble with less manly. <laughs> yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's a way you can put it. Yeah, that's probably a safer right. That's, that's the, probably... right. I I I know where you were thinking, but. No, we're not going to say that. <laughs> I've got some heavy. I've got some heavy metal to send you later. That's that's heavy metal with flutes. Just saying. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, awesome. So I, I mean, I play traditional Irish music. It's just it's kind of pays the bills. Um, nice that and teaching fencing. So yeah, no, oh, that's so cool. 
That's so cool. I give people mud water. So, I mean. <laughs> so, you know. When, whenever you're down yeah, here, you'll, you'll have some. Yeah. I dig your guys' podcast. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. No, absolutely. I hope you had fun. Yeah. We definitely appreciate you having on, and we appreciate you liking us enough to come on. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much. Um, do you want to plug everything? No. No? Okay. Well, remember- Go ahead and hang out with us while we do You know this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, please do not forget, everybody, that on December 2nd. Yes. Yes. On December 2nd, we are going to be having our one-year anniversary show at Grassroots Cava House in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. We're going to be having a live studio audience. Uh, we've got special guests coming in. We've got a bunch of special stuff happening. Um, according to Muhammad today, it's our last show. So, uh, it is? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He posted that on my wall. Um, <laughs> but uh, come on down. Uh, it's not really our last show. We, we don't think. But uh, <laughs> come on down to Grassroots Cava House on December 2nd. Check us out. Get a chance to meet us in real life. Also, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash muddied waters of freedom or on Instagram at Instagram or no, not at Instagram at uh muddy waters of freedom or on Twitter at muddied underscore water. This and every other episode we've ever done. You can find the audio at muddied waters of freedom.com. And we forgot to thank low tide Cava bar for the Cava and Kratom. We drink during our show. No. So what I was going to say, no Cava for me. Today. Yeah. No Cava for Muhammad today. So I'm the muddied waters of freedom, and he is the kratom person. Waters of yeah. freedom. All right, Bull. Bula. All right, thank you for joining us, everybody. Yeah, thank you all so much. And again, uh, Mr. Riley, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yep. We do appreciate it. <laughs> uh, remember, guys, as always, where we're going, we don't need roads. Thank you.